I think this is the episode you guys have all been waiting for. I've always talked about my buddy, Nick. But now, it is time for you guys to meet him. So, without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Nick Bertram onto the podcast. All right. And there he is. There's the magnificent man, the myth, the legend, Nicholas. Go ahead, Nick. Say hi. Hello. Damn, that's amazing. (laughs) 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 That's how we do it on the podcast. We say hi and awkwardly stammer. That's my thing. What do you mean, the man, the myth, the legend? Do you talk about me on your podcast? Numerous times, Nick. I've mentioned you in older episodes and newer ones. Alrighty. Hell yeah. Now the people have to know... I have to catch up. Eh, it's all good. Now the people have to know about the year of the adventure, I guess we could put it. Well, that adventure was something. I mean, we both got uncomfortable real fast with said company and we made the best out of it while we could and at the same time got our experience that is true I think that's the only thing that we were able to get out of it was that one year of experience because then it opened up all the doors for every other uh, trucking company that we could do yeah it did it opened actually a lot more rather than trying to stay home and find a local job I mean there was another company that I went to after after our first one together when we met that i went to and these guys started out there and when they got a new reefer account they i had to take some guys with me well i didn't have to take them they were with me and when we got to our destination to grab our trailers well i had several gentlemen that have been driving 13 14 20 plus years with this one company and they didn't even know how to slide tandem trailers because or the tandem axles because all they did was pull tankers they had no idea what they were doing yeah and sliding those is like a big deal when you're crossing state lines so driving doing the over the road over the road stuff that we did and having that experience with the dry vans i was able to coach all these guys that had a way more experience than i did what i do remember though about that first year at the very least what i did uh what happened to me personally was it was the first time i drove through snow like in the first month mm-hmm. what about you uh, what changed the experience this... um more more of a clearer view on how bad a mega carrier does try to have their way with you and screw you over really i mean giving my childhood between all my great uncles my uncles my father my grandfather having a long childhood on trucks growing up on trucks i spent more time with semis than I did with school. I had some idea all the all this did on taking the leap to get my CDL and get on the road myself. It just gave me more of a clearer mindset as a driver rather than passenger. It does really like open your eyes to the world too, you know? Like especially with we can't say the name, but these mega carriers, right? They do not care like on a personal level like it's just all about move the freight here and if you get like in a big accident they just go is the freight okay like that was the first question i was asked if something happened that that's understandable uh uh, as far as the freight issue yeah i think maybe they should make sure driver's okay before asking about the truck or the freight but being that they have to pay for that freight i believe Every piece of merchandise in that trailer, they're going to have to pay for if something happens. And 
it can't get to its destination or it gets damaged in whatever way and the load gets denied how however it goes whatever goes wrong with that freight to where the receiver cannot receive it then i think i believe that's where the company would have to pick up the slack or the company's insurance on the load to have to cover it which may or may not you know raise the price of the insurance i don't know on that aspect for sure that's just my own opinion my own somewhat belief tell proven otherwise that is true um i remember i remember for a month i drove for a much smaller carrier doing the same type of work but then i didn't i didn't cut the mustard you know i didn't um it didn't sit well with me mm-hmm. what i remember hearing was that our exact company right some some company like i was dropping off the recycling stuff they would not work with the company that we were formerly employed with mm-hmm. from from what i was yeah. told from them is that our drivers had like if they had any minor issue they would call up right away and they would say oh this is um undoable or this and that and they would get a whole bunch of fines i did not know that that's one way that this company makes money mm-hmm. interesting I, ha- I had a similar issue that was going along the lines of losing an account back to where i was telling you about how i had to take guys somewhere else to pick up a load it's when i got off the road and came back local and when they opened up that new account um what the product we were picking up was milk and it was going to a dollar general up north however that being said when we were getting down there to pick up the the load this the milk company was pre-selling the trailers and we weren't allowed to they weren't allowing us to open the trailer or nothing they said everything was secured well after about the third load I took up, come to find out other drivers were having the same issue I was having, was we get there and half of the load is dumped and spilled over and leaking out the back. And they tried denying the load, so, you know, okay, you want to deny it? Fine. I went, called it in. Company asked me to go back. So I went back and had the general manager come out that was overlooking and seeing everything. And as me and him are walking through the, the um, <clears throat> trailer, we're noticing that this company that sealed the trailer that's not allowing us to open it before we leave and inspect the cargo was um, the, the, they were using load locks, and, but the load locks they were using, they were all broken. They didn't, they, so it came back not as my fault because... I wasn't the only driver having this issue. We had probably 10 drivers that got switched to this account and they all had every truck, even other companies, every truck was having the same issue. So what ended up happening was the Dollar General ended up accepting the load and rather than contacting the trucking companies, they contacted the main company where they were buying the product from and saying, hey, this is going on. And in result, we ended up getting brand new equipment, new load locks that clipped into the side rails, like straps on the inside of the trailer and holding everything. And that solved the issue. It's crazy to think about how, how much logistical issues happen behind closed doors. Like a lot of people know that, yeah, yeah, we can, we, we drive trucks, we go here and we, we pick up here, we drop off there. That's our job, right? But everything, in, everything else that happens before and after is just, there's so much that goes on behind closed doors that people just think, oh, it's a simple job. It's, like, it's really not. There's a fuck ton of paperwork going on. Well, not only that, you got to think about the mental aspect of drivers, too. The paperwork and stuff, yeah, there's a lot. You may have to accumulate so much, run out of space where to put it, which adds just a little bit more stress on to the driver trying to keep his rig clean. However, you got to think about the mental aspect of drivers. If you don't got a, if you're a solo driver, you don't got your wife or your kid going with you or whatever it may be, or you may not even be allowed to have that option with whatever company you're driving for. You're isolated to yourself. 
especially in <laughs> rural areas like going through battle from northern Nevada to southern Nevada for example if you're going straight down there's nothing out there you'll spend a day or two driving in nothing and you'll do it on a regular basis on top of there, there was this thing that I had right dealing with being cut off and the traffic and people just being rude to you and thinking hey I could beat this truck and while well, they end up blocking up your brakes with the collision mitigation system because you know they cut too far off the front of your radar so and anything else and getting clipped off there's a whole lot of mental issues along with the human body you're, I mean, you're just sitting there sitting for 11 hours a day just driving our bodies aren't meant to do that yeah we do it but at the same time it takes a physical toll and a mental toll on a driver themselves and these big companies they they don't look at it like that all they care about is like you said getting freight from one spot to another did you ever have that issue with um you you mentioned driving from northern to southern nevada right i remember that route complete nothingness just no visual stimulation almost it's just nothing did you ever have that moment where all of a sudden just poof the last hour of your drive is just like you completely forgot it multiple times yes that kind of scares me too because like truck driving at least in that specific area or like certain locations like that people don't understand that there is that mental toll where your brain will physically forget it'll erase things that are like irrelevant like to the point where it's like it almost feels like the hour didn't happen like i'd have moments where i look at my phone and i just think it's been three hours i don't remember a thing mm. yeah I've, I've had that issue multiple times uh, same with you know I, i've been several like, two three days at a time you know without even phone service. So it's 100% complete isolation. And then you gotta argue with your dispatcher when you do get service because they don't take into consideration your house. You know, your phone is not working. Uh -oh. And then I've had moments too. You good? Give me one second, I gotta plug in my headset here. Oh, okay. There we go. I didn't want it to die on you. It's all good. I think there's one thing that I do remember about the truck driving experience, right? That one year specifically, right? That we had the moment where we came back. We started doing local stuff. And, like, we kind of missed the one aspect, which was the adventure, you know? Yeah. I mean... Me personally, if it was just myself and I had no kids, no relationship, and it was just me, yeah, I loved being on the road, seeing all the different things on my resets or whatever downtime I had, being able to go out, check out new areas, look at new things, you know, explore. Hey, Nick. And it, and it was fun. Yes. Hey, Nick. Do you remember the Cracker Barrel at Las Vegas? Oh my goodness, which, <laughs> what time? <laughs> that time we had Robert with us? You embarrassed that poor boy. <laughs> that was so funny. <laughs> I he would was, do it again. He's always all talk about how this girl's cute or he wants to go talk to that girl but he never did and when you popped off and was asking the waitress, hey, this guy thinks you're cute. He turned redder than a lobster. <laughs> I know. I was like, I'm putting your money where your mouth is. You understand me. You don't just say these things in front of me. <laughs> yeah, it was a good time. I mean, we had some really good times on the road. I had this moment where I was driving in, in Texas, right? And the one thing I realized was our trucks were governed to be way slower than the speed limit. Did you ever have that issue? Yes, with, with those with those trucks, other companies may be governed faster. Uh, owner ops may not be governed at all. 
However, I think our top was 63, 65, somewhere in that range. And in Texas, you got to go 80 miles an hour. Yeah. So, um, you get across the California line and it goes up immediately to 70. And then some spots get up to 80 and here you are stuck behind everybody just poking along. Did you ever go up north? Um, I know Salt Lake City. I know there's a there was a terminal there. We, we've been there a lot. But did you ever go to the the Great Salt Flats? Yeah, I, I believe I've driven through them. Yes. Did you ever have a problem with high winds there? <laughs> with the dry van, I had a problem with higher winds everywhere. Uh, I was coming, I was just left the Lowe's distribution in Cheyenne, and I was coming back to California across the 80, and I, I had to stop until the winds died down. I wasn't about to go through there. Uh, several trucks have already been blown over. And so I, I called it in and told them, hey, look, there's a high wind advisory. I, I, I'm just going to stop. Yeah, and a lot of people don't know those trucks are really top heavy. Like high winds will easily knock it over. Well, it's not so much the truck itself. The truck itself is somewhat heavy. What it is is how light that 53 foot trailer is it's 53 foot feet and it's 13 feet six inches tall it's as tall as the truck so if it's really light load or it's empty that wind hits the side of this big box and there's no way for the wind to go around it say like if you were pulling a tanker uh, so when the wind hits it it's essentially like a big tarp or a big kite and it just gets pushed over I had that problem once when I was driving through there. Like, there was someone who I actually spoke to in the Salt Lake City terminal. Um, I remember him. He showed me a video, right? Because he said, I'm actually, like, a really chatty guy. But he was he was trying to talk to people, and no one would listen to him. So I thought, you know what? I'll lend him an ear. And he told me about how he had just recovered from an accident in that same spot. And he had video proof. Mm-hmm. It was crazy, right? He showed me the video, and he was... Um, they didn't get the video of him falling over. They got the video of him already on the ground. And when I saw that it was a brand new Kenworth that he had crashed, I was just like... I was more hurt by the Kenworth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like, is the truck... I mean, are you okay? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I can see that. But, but there's certain trucks out there where I'm like, I'm glad you're okay, but man you that truck got messed up and i feel more for the truck than i do the guy i mean if they're severely hurt or something yeah i would feel for them but if they're all right i'll feel for the truck more honestly yeah hey do you remember that truck in oregon uh the one that was on display for some reason Mhm. Mm i do did you ever find out the story behind it because i didn't no, no, I didn't find out the story about it. However, you, there was also the one down in at the Fontana Terminal that was uh, towed in and on display too of what happened. It was, it was pretty smashed up itself. One other aspect of the company that I noticed is that because of the fact that no one knew the story of the accident they would add their own spin on it like i heard oh don't text and drive or it's like oh this guy was distracted or you know i don't know the real story here so they're gonna add their own in order to mentally fuck with the drivers well well it's just a word of mouth thing it could uh, you know one thing could happen be told to somebody else correctly and then that person could go tell somebody else and by the time it gets down to the fifth or tenth person essentially you have a whole entire another story it's a game of telephone basically yes um okay, word of mouth you know 
stories people will add their own spins to it just that sort of thing as, as a driver i kind of take things with a grain of salt like okay you're telling me this it may be true it may not be true or part of it'll be true and it's just kind of do my own thing help out other drivers where i can and when the rumors start coming in it's like okay well i'll listen to you out of respect however chances are i'm not gonna sit there and think what you're what you say is gold either this, this this is like off topic but like i'm not gonna mention his name but do you remember do you remember when a certain someone was checking out a, a lot lizard and then they turned around oh my goodness weed california <laughs> me you and him were supposed to meet up our paths crossed just right i i had some salmon or some steaks or something i forget what you had we and i had my little barbecue at the time so we were going to barbecue and sit back and relax and have a good time before uh, leaving. I think that was our first time meeting up with one another after our initial, after we got our trucks and started yeah. out on our own. So it was a few months before we actually got to meet up again, and that was the first time. And I, I, I remember me and you are parking calling him up asking him where, I'm, where he's at because he didn't stay with our company he went to another one to avoid having to use the CPAP machine and um, mm -hmm. called him up and we thought we saw his truck go by and we did and well he tells us he had to turn around because he saw this really cute woman and fishnets and everything and wanted to go check out this uh person lot lizard whatever the case may have been and turns out it was a lot lizard however it was a man dressed as a female lot lizard <laughs> i love I, I, it's not even the fact that it was a man for me it's the fact that he was so upset over the phone <laughs> he was i remember the he was really upset that call. it turned out to be a man and and you know, to this day, it's still just as funny now as it was then. <laughs> and it's and seeing how uh, the certain individual likes to stretch his truth a lot that, um, you know, it if, if you weren't if we weren't there, we probably wouldn't have believed it. We're seeing how we had the yeah. uh, front row hand to the whole the whole situation. It, it made it really comical. Should have gotten some of that popcorn from the pilot or the flying J as people know it here. Do you ever get those two mixed up still? Like yeah. every time I drive by the the flying uh, J, I always call it the pilot. People say, what are you talking about? <laughs> well, we'll see when my, when my experiences with truck stops was, yes, the, uh, it, the you had your pilot, you had your flying J. Uh, you had your TA, you had your Petro. Um, as far as the merger for Pilot and Flying J, I believe that the Pilot actually bought the Flying Js. Um, I want to say somewhere, roughly, I correct me if I'm wrong, anybody listening, that um, it was in the 90s when Pilot bought the Flying J, I think well before my time then hmm. man well before your time too don't make it sound like you're old you're still a young buck 31 uh, I, I was young when it happened I know because it made me yeah. really upset because flying J with my grandpa that was always our go to truck stop and to see another company buying it out kind of really upset me but that, like I said, I was real young back then when that happened. What what was the let's let's say because uh, we were driving a lot, right? We would see the sights. What was something that that stuck with you when you drove? Like the most beautiful thing you've seen while driving? Mm, that that's hard. There was a lot. I I got some pictures. There was a. Uh, beautiful sunsets you know outside the loves um 
forget the town, like right the loves right before you get to Cheyenne. I forget the name of where it was. Um, I got a picture of it. Sun was setting. I just backed in and walked around my trailer before going in and getting some dinner. And beautiful yellows and oranges and it matched up just perfect almost like a painting and it looked like the sun was setting on the plane behind the truck stop not not the plane as in vehicle but you know plane as in like the open plains was that in little america pasture no it was after that if you're going eastbound oh okay for me, I, you were on the phone with me when this happened, too. For me, it's got to be when I was up north, um, just bordering Canada, basically. I was in Washington. Mm -hmm. It was um, Point, not Point Lookout. I forget what it's called. Port Townsend. There we go. Do you remember when uh, I took yes, a wrong I've turn? But it, you remember when I took a wrong turn, but it still ended up being like the most beautiful sight I've seen? Like I kept telling you how it looked like a Disney movie where the sun set and you could just see these little lights turning on. They flickered off the waters so shallow the water was yes i know the area that, that was nice um there was another one for me too it was a little turnout of top of the rockies i believe and um I'm coming up to this town my hours are about out so i take this turn off and it's not in a town it's not a rest area it's just like a little pull off spot off directly off the highway and if you look to if you're going westbound and you look off to the left there, there's like you see this mountainy town and in the center there's this big great lake and the, there was snow on the mountains and everything just fit just perfect it was wonderful beautiful I, I have some pictures I can find them and send them to you if you would like yeah I'd like that I'll post them on my Instagram so the so that everyone can see it on my Twitter too. Why not? Did you uh? There's this turnout uh, in in Colorado. I don't know I remember. if I'm um, coming in clear on my end, but your mic sounds like it's cutting in and out. Oh, it's probably it's probably because I'm like going in and like closer and away from the mic. I might be doing that. I'm not sure. Uh, you know, kind of like you're losing going in and out of cell phone signal is what it sounds like i'm getting bits and pieces of what you're saying oh okay gotcha um it's our internet i swear because we're out here that in this right road there, area. there we go how about now i'm like i'm like real close <laughs> yeah uh, uh that sounds better hell yeah dude i've been mentioning you know i've been mentioning the older episodes um well when I first started the podcast, it was entirely about the year of like truck driving. That time I had to use tire chains and one of them broke. Did you ever have to use them? Mm -hmm. With the trainer I rode with, yes. Uh, I mean, the way he worded things to me made no sense. Being a trainer, he was telling me like, Usually he would stop in the conditions we were in. However, it's a good training exercise. And I'm thinking, well, myself, I'm thinking, well, if you're a trainer, you don't usually stop because it seems in my idea was you would have a student pretty regular during said time of year or all year long, even that you would do this on a regular basis, not usually stop. So the way he worded it, didn't really seem you know accurate to me but uh, my so, uh that was my second trainer because my first company i went to before coming to the one where i met you told me that i completed everything however this other company told me oh i needed another four weeks in a truck with somebody so i did it and the, the second trainer I had he, he was okay he was friendly but he was a slob it, it was constantly a mess um, every time we stopped I, he's asking telling me that I need to wash the truck and stuff and 
well, he's going in and sitting down and eating. And he's, uh, and I'm sitting there driving and, well, he's sleeping or he's doing something else and he's not really instructing me on things. So we got into it a little bit and I told him, look, either you're going to let me do this or you're going to sit there and train so after that he kind of let me do things and then if i needed something then i asked him rather than me doing it him not training me and then throwing his input in. that got really irritating very fast however my first trainer was a wonderful experience turns out he was a retired chippendale very clean very helpful and he would stay up with me uh, we would drive during the day he would stay up with me and I would drive and then he would show me what to do on certain things if we stop or instruct me on certain things not just like completely ignore me and then get upset if something went wrong he, he was what in my opinion a trainer should do So that was the retired Chippendale then. That guy, I remember you, you were talking to me about him. He had a, he still had connections in Vegas. Oh yeah. Real, real good guy. Real, real friendly, real nice guy. Very stern, very blunt. Um, doesn't try to hide anything. Doesn't, at the same time, doesn't sit there and be like, uh, how do I put it? Be like, no. I'm your trainer, but I'm not really going to train you. You're just going to do it type thing. However, More of a either way, really learn didn't as you go bother kind of guy. me. Yes, I didn't know. It. Yeah. It, um, uh, my thing with the, my issue with the whole incident with the second trainer there is like, you're going to do your job and be a trainer, then train me. If you're going to treat this like, team driving or whatever then you're gonna let me take what i know and apply what i know and if i make a mistake learn from it not criticize me on it. not sit there and try to tell me what to do if you yourself are not doing your job either if you want to treat it like a team driver we're going to team drive if you want to be my trainer and step up and act as my trainer then be my trainer and i will take what you have to say in consideration because uh, I, I don't know everything about trucking, and I still don't know everything about trucking. However, through the schools and riding with trainers, it was all easier for me than anyone else, given, you know, having a childhood in it. As far as even driving and shifting and all that stuff, the first truck I drove, I was between 10 and 13, and it was on an old white Freightliner um, cab over due to, you know, most of my time on the truck with my grandfather. He would show me this or let me move the truck around, stuff like that. So you were grandfathered in is what they would say, right? So you say. Uh, you could put it that way, I guess, yes. Uh, prior to making the decision to get my own CDL... I knew quite a bit. I aced through school, whether it being the skills test, the paperwork, uh, as far as taking, you know, the DMV written test, all that stuff. I actually graduated top of the class. You got lucky. I just barely made it, too. Like, the guy, when I was done with the first test, right, I had actually failed twice. And on my third one, I had a completely different person with me when I was doing the test. And he said, you made 13 mistakes. And I was like, oh, fuck. And he said, but you passed. Come on in. And I was like, oh, shit, really? <laughs> mm -hmm. That was fun. All right, Nick. Looks like we hit the 30-minute uh, mark. I know. Um... Oh, good deal. But um... Let's keep going, though. This is exciting. Yeah, I, I had um, on my driver test, on my drive test, I had the guy... He, he marked me down. He tried to tell me that I ran a stop sign when since I didn't, it was yield. It, it, it was like a, it was a yield sign and 
the turning lane was shorter than truck and trailer combined so half the truck was sticking out into the, the um, traffic going next to us when I was trying to enter the highway and so I had to explain him to that explain that to him and being that he already marked it down it stayed and he didn't want to correct it so I was like okay either way I still passed yeah did do you ever think about how hard it is to get your CDL, but like when you're actually driving it, like almost everything you learned in the class, like very little applies? The, the, the way I look at it is there's few different worlds to essentially truck driving. I mean, you got what they're going to teach you in school and how to, how to get through your tests and your drive tests at the DMV. So you, you got what the school's teaching. Then you got what the DMV really wants to see. Then you got, you know, you, what the company drivers want you to do and how they want you to operate. Then with the seasoned actual truck drivers, you got what the truck drivers actually do and look out for one another. And then you have DOT. So there's a few different worlds, in my opinion, to truck driving. Yeah, and they all come together for this entire ecosystem, if you really think about it. Like, when you start truck driving and you're going OTR, you're introduced to, um, like you said, like another world, almost. Like, this is, like, vastly different from, like, an office 9 to 5. This is, like, you like your office is constantly moving. You know, maybe, maybe you blow out a tire. Maybe someone cuts you off. Maybe, maybe you just, like... You never know what goes on under the hood. Maybe something just breaks and you're just stuck there. But like, as long as the truck turns on or you got food and water, you're good. But like, there there have been moments where, you know, you you either break down or you run out of supplies. Yes, and that that actually happens more frequently than any mega carrier would like to admit. In any company, really, would like to admit. However, I would stock up and my stock would last me about a week, which was usually the time I, time frame for me to be home anyway. So it was okay, but at times, like you said, it, the truck would break down or you'd be stranded somewhere. I went through four different trucks with this company because, well, they keep kept breaking down and then they told me that my truck would get me back to California for my home time I asked them specifically to the uh, Tulare yard so that way I can go home they they didn't say yes to Tulare they said yes to California so they picked so they I started into California well it got me a hundred the truck got me a hundred miles inside California and I had to pull off at a rest area and they towed me back to Phoenix so what essentially was a one-week run ended up being three four weeks out before i initially got back home and yeah i ran out of supplies Nick, it cut off oh what hello there we go sorry it cut off on my end yeah it showed that you went offline over here see the message on the thing yeah i see it okay what were you saying though but, uh, could you repeat that yeah um i was saying like for example, on my end, I went through three or four trucks because they just broke down and they couldn't figure out what it was. Uh, for example, the incident right towards my the end of my time with the company, they told me on their end, my truck was reading 200 codes in the fuel system and a low coolant sensor. So the, my truck kept shutting off the engines so they sent me to the dealership in Flagstaff I sat there for two days and dealership themselves said that it was only the low coolant sensor well the same issue started happening after I already lost my load going to New Mexico and so they were sending me down to Phoenix well I get a top of the hill going from Flagstaff to Phoenix and 
the truck did the same thing and being Labor Day weekend, they couldn't get me a tow truck. So every 20 miles or so, I had to stop, disconnect the battery, reset the computer and go all the way to Phoenix. So I get there, wait another two days and they tell me, okay, my truck is good to go. And I asked them, well, I'm supposed to be going for my home time. Is this truck going to get me back to California? Because at that point I lost all trust in the truck. They, uh, they, I asked them specifically, will it get me back to the Tulare yard? They told me it would get me back to California. I got 100 miles inside California and had to stop at the rest area because it did the same thing. It was showing that the engine shutdown was going to happen in a minute or whatever the time limit was, 60 seconds. I pulled off and called it in. Well, they ended up sending a tow truck from Phoenix out to get me and towing me back to Phoenix. And I sat there for another two weeks trying to hear about the, my truck and I saw them pull my truck out of the shop and finally asked them. So I went out to the shop and asked them what's going on. I got to get home. And they told me, well, it's been red flagged and they're sending it back to the dealership. So it was a whole fight telling them, well, I got to get home and you know, I just came two weeks ago when I brought it here. I just came from the dealership. And they just said, well, they can't figure it out or nothing. So then I got a loaner truck. And of course, as I'm getting into this loaner truck, the driver comes back from his vacation. So I had to pull all my stuff out of there. Waited another two weeks where they found me another loaner truck and finally got me back. And that was the last time I drove for the company because I went home and they're like, well, you got to be back within this time frame because this driver's going to need his truck back. All right. And they're like, well, we're going to give you this load, go pick up this load, deliver it, whatever. I told them, look, I'm not going to deliver this load. I'm going to come back and get my truck. I'm not going to waste any time doing you guys any favors because in the past it screwed me royally doing favors for them. And um, so they said, okay. So I took the load to Phoenix the to the terminal. Driver picked it up, delivered the load, all that. I got me a truck and took that load back to the Tulare terminal because it was going to Northern California anyway and turned in my keys. Uh, at that time, I was at my experience mark and told them, look, no hard feelings, but you guys have screwed me on pay. You guys have done this. You guys can't keep me in a truck that stays running and now are wasting my time. That's when I left and came back local. At least with local, when you break down, you still get to go home, you know? But when you break down and it's OTR, that's... That's a different ballpark because it's like, okay, you just took away my home. You just took away my job. What am I supposed to do? I'm stranded in the middle of God knows where. That happened to me in Phoenix too once. It's always Phoenix. Yeah. Well, with that terminal, it's uh, supposed to be the main terminal. But it's always difficult. You, you get there and then they'll swap your load with somebody else then there's no no empty trailers at the yard for you to pick up so you gotta drive ha waste your drive time half the day running around phoenix to find a damn empty trailer which some places may allow you to take them some places may not it's um, entirely finding case by an case empty basis. trailer with said company yeah, finding the empty trailer with said company, it just, you know, wastes a lot of your time. Yeah, I mean, to put it to put it simply, I think for both of us, we unanimously agree. We would not work there again. I, I mean, if I absolutely had no other option and really or really needed something like this instant... Maybe. I mean, I'm not sure about them exactly, but like, I feel like I burned a bridge the way I quit. Um, <laughs> it's the um, 
it's the other mega carriers that are always accepting people, you know? Well, I think they are yeah, too, well, actually. My, my, the way I did it, uh, well, I they, they tried to tell me that I had, tried to tell me and make me to, to, to make me deliver that last load. Uh, I, I just went in, left the paperwork on the trailer, signed out of everything went into the terminal set my keys down on the terminal manager's desk told him bye basically i didn't give no two weeks i didn't do none of that honestly yeah that's all you can do because if you give them two weeks they they do this thing see i messed up when they did that because i put in my two weeks and then i was sent as far to the east as i could be you know yeah, and then, you know, once you get out east, it could be two, three months before they get you a load back. And I'm not one to put myself in that position. Um, if I'm going to quit, I'm going to quit. If they tried to do anything to like that to me, I would accept the consequences of my actions. I would take a truck to the nearest terminal for said company, and I would find my way home. I'm sorry. I need my I way home would have been difficult. Three young children, <laughs> and you know what? It'd be difficult. Wouldn't be easy, that's for sure. But you know, I got three young children, and I'm not gonna be at the mercy of any company or any person. If I, if you guys are gonna try to screw me over, I will find my own way home. And if there's consequences for that, so be it. I'll accept consequences as long as I'm home with my children. That's it right there. That's that tells that tells me that, you know, you put your family first and that's good. That was the whole point in me getting on the road anyway. Because find me finding a job just like your normal nine to five job, however you want to put it, to be home was very difficult. And I knew if I went to trucking school, got my CDL I could bat my eye at the closest recruiter or company and get a job. So that's what I did. Yeah, it was a hell of a year. It was. It was a, uh, it was a good time. Me and you got to run together. I know um, I coached you a lot over the phone because you had uh, similar incidents with your trainer where it was like they weren't training you they were just kind of let, letting you do your own thing and yeah you slid into that ditch oh man I sleeping. still remember that yeah that woke his ass up yeah and so he wasn't even mad by that by the way it, it, that's what blew my mind the one, that's good and then you know coaching you over the phone it helped you out significantly or at least I believe it did and then when our when we actually got to meet up at the main terminal in Phoenix, you had to pick up a load that was right around the corner. So I hopped in your truck and, you know, drove over there and showed you how I did it, which kind of, you know, in turn, you said you were pretty impressed with it. And you told me that it, uh, that I do know what I do. Exactly. And you taught me a thing or two. Yeah. Or six. Uh, well, uh, I know you mentioned that you were having trouble when you would hook up to a trailer, backing up to the trailer, because you would be off-center a little bit. And I was like, okay, well, you put you know, the nose of your trailer right here at said the glad hands or whatever, and then turn real sharp, straighten out, and you can back straight in. And it lines up almost perfect every time. It did, that yeah, that was cool. Does It did with the internationals, but each truck has different turning radiuses so it, it may be a little more forward doing that say with a kenworth or a peterbelt or a freightliner or something might be a little more back however the same process the process is still the same your reference points are different reference points i haven't heard that in years i haven't hooked up to a trailer in a while either Thanks for the Same. job we have. Um, be, being what we're doing local, you know, 
Our trailers really don't come off the trucks hardly at all. They only do when they're like breaking or something. They got to put it in the shop. Uh, um, I like to assume too, maybe in the evening when everyone's done, maybe the shop guys come out and do it and grease the fifth wheel or something. Because I think within the time I've been with this uh, our company now that the only time the trailer came off in my to my knowledge was to get a different trailer because here we don't do any of the maintenance we don't un unhook because I know on the road I unhooked from my trailers if I'm not dropping and picking up an empty I would unhook from my trailer for once a week to grease the fifth wheel. This mm -hmm. company, I've never had to grease the fifth wheel. I, I don't know what it is, why it is that way. I just have Probably a good sign, you know. It lets, lets you know that that they're taking care of things on their end and uh, they watch their own. So, you know, I'm happy where we're at now, you know? Yeah, it pays well. It, it pays well. It seems to be an all right company. But in turn, which is when we don't get steady work year-round either. Like you said, you're having uh, me being on workman's comp from my accident. I haven't been there during the slow part of the season. You're saying that you're working two days at times and getting 500 bucks. So it's not consistently steady year-round. Yeah, but I'm still I'm still, still $500 that, in two days. $500 for two days of work is not bad either. Oh yeah. That's why I love my job. <laughs> Alright, Nick. I'm actually gonna... My nah. back's hurting a bit. <laughs> hey, Nick. I'm gonna... Alrighty, Marcos. I'm gonna pause in a bit, but you got any parting words to say to all the people listening? Um, to my brothers and sisters of the road, God bless. Thank you for what you're doing out there. Stay safe. Um, make sure bad weather, pull off and stop. Don't, don't, no load is worth a life. Amen. And in turn, God bless. Have a wonderful evening and maybe one day I'll catch you folks out on the road hell yeah thank you for being on nick i've, I've wanted you on for the longest time anytime Probably. i'm always happy to i'm always happy to be on talk about whatever no big deal to me i got workman's comp i got spare time more than i know what to do with so kind of takes my mind off of things I'm happy to help hell yeah nick thanks for being on Thank you again to Nick for being on this week. I've wanted him on for the longest time. And if you guys didn't realize, that's the Nick in question. The one who I was always talking about helped me out over the road. And I was the best man at his wedding. <laughs> Alright, see you guys next week.